You have found the Redhead Family Therapy Guy and a Mike podcast, looking at mental health through a pop culture lens. Hey, everyone. Mm. Welcome to the podcast. What up? This is Redhead Family Therapy Guy and a Mike. I almost said it. It's okay. It's hard not to say it. Well, it's, you know, you want to say it. I'm Michael. And I'm John, the Redhead Family Therapy Guy with a mustache. So... Today, we're going to do Interview with John. I know, we're doing another one of those interview ones. It's so exciting. It is. Dig in. You ready? I hope so. It's going to be amazing. This is probably this is probably going to be our most viewed uh, episode. By far. I mean, likely. I mean, this will break our record of a billion views. <laughs> by of double, at 100 least. views. <laughs> <laughs> Two billion. I wonder views. what our first video. Our first. I think our or first. Listens. Our first uh, long one was has the most views on YouTube. I think. Yeah, I we think. gotta do some more. Hey, people, share our YouTube stuff out there. Come on. I like the podcast the most. I'm most I fond do. of the podcast. But I the YouTube too. is fun too. It's just like we yeah we got to figure it out. We'll get into it's it. A lot of work. We're so figure it out. Do you want to jump into your story? Do you want to share your movie? Do you want to do a hint to your oh. movie? Oh. Hmm. What could the hint be? Oh, here it is. Ready? Uh huh. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. So we want to interview John. Oh, you man. Got to do where it, do dude. I start? So many so good things. Tell me where. So, where were you born? So I almost piped up about this during your interviews, but I thought mm-hmm. oh, I should hold back because I wanted to like yeah. relate and engage. Hold it but, back. Um, so I was born in San Diego, California. Oh, no way. Yeah. We're both California. Yeah, brothers. we're Californians. I was like, yeah. dude. Represent. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was, born in, uh, I was born in San Diego, California. My dad was in the Navy. That is crazy because, you know, as we mentioned before, you served a mission for the church, for yeah. your church. And didn't you Yeah, in San Diego, California. San- That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So we left when I was like three. And so I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, So what did your dad do in, in the, the Navy? Navy? Yeah, um, he like sewed things. So he cool. he sewed so like, like a seamstress, all, but a military name. Probably. Yeah, a military seamstress. Mm. So he sewed like parachutes and other soft goods. Uh-huh. And he's really talented. My dad is really spattily talented when it comes to making things. He like he had his own business um, as a furniture repair guy. Cool. And so like doing like upholstery mm-hmm. and then doing like the frame or structure. No, it was all or... upholstery stuff. Cool. And it, like he had a lot of work with that because in Philadelphia there's a lot of antique furniture, so yeah, he was always having stuff. And he could just like it was amazing to me. I was always mystified. Um, my dad, he always had his side gig where he was making stuff and making extra money, like down in the in the basement or the bottom level of whatever house we lived in or whatever. And he, we could go, he would do boat tops on the side. I don't know why he didn't ever do boat tops full time, but he would just go, we, I would go with him and he'd like get onto a boat. He'd get out his measuring, like a, you know, the, the like tape measure. Tape? Yeah, yeah. Tape measure, measuring mm-hmm. tape. And uh, he'd like walk around the boat and be like, hold this here, hold this here. And he'd have like a scrap piece of paper, like the back of a receipt or something. And he'd like write down these measurements or whatever. And then he'd go home and he'd like sew it all up and we'd go back. We'd go back and he'd lay it on there and he'd punch the thing with the buttons and he'd be like, all right, what's good? Like he could just look at it and then like do it. It So you're talking about like a cover of like a a normal, I'm I'm not like a sailboat or something. No, so when they, like when they weatherize a boat. dock or whatever. Yeah, yep. It would be like to button it up against weather or whatever because there's lots of um, marinas around Philadelphia off the Delaware. And so yeah, he, he was always doing I don't know why he didn't do it full time because he makes so much money doing that. But So you moved to Philadelphia or the suburbs? The suburbs. Yeah, the when northern. You were three. Uh, no, we moved to New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey when you were three. And we were there until I was um, like four or five. And then we moved to the suburbs of Philly up in Bucks County. And my whole growing up life from the time I was in. First and second. Yeah, so so yeah, from the time first grade till I graduated from high school, it was all in the same county. We moved Crazy. a ton of times, but it was like a good school district, I guess, and so my parents wanted to keep us in that school district. So we moved around like Why did you guys move six times from New Jersey to Pennsylvania? Uh, Pennsylvania yeah. I think it was just just, I think, just because. Yeah, just because. Is my dad got a far? different job. I've not, no. I've not been out there, so I don't No, know. no, no, no. Like the, where we were in New Jersey, uh, it's like 
St. I can't remember. I rode my bike through there actually. When so Emmanuel and I biked across New Jersey, cool. and we started the Delaware, and we went to the shore, and we went right through the town that like I had lived in That's as a awesome. as a three to five. Did year you old. notice anything? No, or was I tried. Too, too young. Yeah, it was I. I feel like I recognized maybe a fire station or something, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get my bearings, and I didn't. We were just riding across the state, so I didn't. So so, but from there to where we ended up is like. I mean, forty-five minutes. You know? So, yeah, and the and the and the Bucks County is the county above Philadelphia County that is on across the water from like Trenton and uh, and those major cities in the northern part of New Jersey. Okay. So, so that's where I grew up. Bucks County and the Neshaminy School District is where I was. Where from first grade to I graduated, but we moved like a lot, a lot. Like I want to say a good four or five times. Wow, that is a lot. Yeah, that because so my the, parents we were just struggling. So from like just in first grade. Yeah, like wow. we, we moved one, two, maybe just four. Maybe it was just four or five times. I might be embellishing a little bit. So whenever I hear Philadelphia, I just think Italian stallion. Dude, of course. So did you – have you, like, gone and run the steps? Oh, absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, I've been Is there the really a museum. statue up at the top? Of Rocky, um, or? He was, it was. That's like for the cool. filming the movies and stuff, it was there. I think its permanent home now is outside the Wachovia Center or whatever it is now. So it's a real statue then. It oh, it's a real like statue. A movie prop. Well, it might have, it was a movie prop, but because, because but the it, movies are Yeah, sad. but then it like it stayed and they kept it. But I think its final resting place is around the arenas down in Broad Street that's where cool. the stadiums are, I think. Because last time I was there, that's where it was. It was like outside yeah, the Wachovia Center. Yeah, when I was Center. a kid, I was obsessed. Like Rocky Four, I think, was out when I was kind of that age where I was watching, I mm-hmm. guess, that type of movie. Yeah, so it was really interesting, too, because I lived, I mean, literally like 35 minutes from the city. Mm-hmm. And we went a little bit into North Philly, but we never went into the city. And I always wanted to as yeah. a kid, and I was always bothered, but we never did. And so, Is it far? No, it's so, 30 minutes. So I think of like Chicago, you know, I was... Uh, we lived maybe 40 miles from the city, but it took forever to no, get there. It, no, honestly, I mean, you could get down from where we lived, like the the last house that we lived in, um, in Langhorn, uh, it was, dude, it was like 20 minutes. That's crazy. I wonder why you guys never went. And my parents, like, they just like, it was like, oh, the traffic, too, oh, yeah, the whatever. It's a city. And so, yeah. And so it's funny though. Like, so after, uh, when I came back from, uh, you know, being a missionary in San Diego, I totally... Um, I like lived around the city and when Nick and I got married we lived in the city and I spent a lot of time I went to graduate school in the city so I've spent a ton of time but it wasn't growing up Drexel Drexel University is where I got my master's in marriage and family therapy and I actually have a master's of family therapy. A lot of people have an MS in yeah. family therapy or an MA in family therapy, but I have an MFT. So I could put MFT, LMFT, but I don't, I mean, I just put I MFT. thought that's interesting about uh, marriage and family therapy. I noticed most are, are MAs or MSs. Yeah, because you Social ha- work's not that way. It's it's a master of social work. Yeah, if you if you want to get accredited from the AMFT for your graduate program to, to issue master's in family therapy, you have to have a much more rigorous and specific oh. training specific to the therapeutic systemic models. Crazy. So like, for instance, like most graduate schools for family therapy will do an overview sure. of the models, right? Mm. And there's like five or six models that are the classic models of marriage. I had a class in every model. That's cool. So I had a very rich um, th- uh, theoretical training with marriage and family therapy. Yeah. So that's very ingrained in me. And the other really, really cool thing is mm-hmm. the professors that I had at Drexel Universities that taught these specific models yeah. were second generation. So the guy that taught yeah, me Bowenian, so the guy that taught me Bowenian therapy worked with Bowen. The guy that taught me systems theory worked yeah. with Mnuchin. The the person that I learned contextual yeah, family crazy. therapy worked with Naj. So I had these people that worked with the original theorists that yeah. taught me the theoretical that concepts is of marriage. Really interesting to me. I don't know if anyone else cares though. Yeah, they're going to love it. They're going to eat this stuff up. I had to, look, I got to throw out to Drexel as an alum. They don't know if I'm they teasing. would. That was rude. I love you, Jeff. No, I think that's really cool. I didn't have any second generation, third generation, or anything like that in my No, I'm not, I'm not. That's really cool. I so mean, I, pay, I paid for Five-year-old. I paid for it. John, Johnny. What were you called when you were a kid? Just JR. My dad JR. called me JR. Oh, yeah, I see that in your... Some of your things you have, JR. Um, Strava, I'm J.R. Morgan. That's right. Yeah. So five-year-old J.R. goes to Philly, 
and you are like suburbs wanting, of Philly, suburbs of Philly, and you're wanting to be like the Italian stallion. No, oh no, okay, no, sorry. that's I'm not. Sorry. I tell definitely me, tell me wanted five year. I would wanted. I definitely would have wanted to be. Um, uh, Johnny LaRusso. Ooh. No, no, what am I talking about? I don't want to be Cobra Kai. What am I talking about? Daniel. I was a huge I, oh, I mean, yeah. karate kid. Yeah. yeah. Johnny Lawrence. You got me off because you said, you said Johnny. Yeah. So, um, That's yeah. true because he's from Philly. Mm-hmm. Or he's from New Jersey. New Jersey. New yeah, Jersey. just over. Which is like I said, it was like yeah. half of my friends talked like that growing up. Did you do karate? No. No, I didn't do karate. I wanted to do gymnastics. Uh-huh. But no, I spent um, a good mar- a part of my childhood playing in the woods and uh, and then I picked up um, really young. I picked up skateboarding. Oh, cool! So I skateboarded. Do you, I do you skateboard anymore? I don't think I've ever seen you. Skateboard. No, I still can pull off some moves. I still Ooh. got it in my repertoire. But um, no, from the time I was in fifth grade mm-hmm. till I broke my arm in ninth grade, so four years. You were hardcore. I was. I was. I was pretty hardcore. I mean, as hardcore as you can be as a young kid. But then when I we started getting serious, mm-hmm. I broke my arm in a in a in a pretty jagged way mm. I, had a, I had a really nasty fall and uh and so um i had moved that was ninth grade so we had moved my parents bought the first house yeah. and um uh up in langhorn and so um they like so all my skateboarding friends were back in the other town yep. and some of them would come up to skateboard with me because but i broke my arm i wasn't allowed like my parents oh. like would freak out if i got on my skateboard because the break was really bad and the doctor's like if you fall on this we're uh. gonna have a major problem and so um so i stopped and then by the time i healed because it, it took a really long time because the break was really bad um by the time i healed it was like winter and then that next spring, I started playing golf. And so oh, all from right. ninth grade till I graduated, I, I golfed. And, and in I college went, too. Yeah, I played college golf um, at Wesleyan in North Carolina. He's a pro. No, it was a D3 school. Let's be honest. Come on. Bro. <laughs> it was far from pro. He's like, uh, um, oh man, <laughs> what is his name from uh, from Rocky in uh, Happy Gilmore? Oh. Uh, I can't think of his name. The pro in Happy You're like the pro in Happy no. Gilmore. I was far from pro. I mean, you broke your arm. You almost lost your hand. Seriously. And you're pro. So I, <laughs> I, I think it's back. not a far stretch. I yeah, can't think of his so, name. Ah, that's going to bother I don't me. Know, yeah. So then tell me about your family. So I we know dad was Navy, and, and then he got out of the Navy, I'm assuming, is yeah, when so you guys my, moved. Yeah, so my mom, um, my dad's from Dallas, Texas. He grew up in Mesquite. Cool. And all of my dad's family is primarily How down in that area. How you guys didn't area? move there? Um, cause I don't think my mom would ever go to the South. Ah, okay. My mom, um, grew up in Long Island and, uh, my dad was stationed, I guess, somewhere up there and they met oh, cool. and then, uh, my dad married mom and whisked her away. And, and Long so, Island's not far, probably. I don't think, I don't really know the no, area, but it's, it's not far. two hours. Yeah. A lot of that stuff's kind of close. It's very close right together. Yeah. So two out from where we lived. And I think that that was part of the thing is like, we were close. So we would go up there Thanksgiving, Christmas. Did mom, did she work or have hobbies yeah. or? She worked. So she always had part-time work, but like from that part of my childhood, she worked at this framing shop. Oh, cool. And so um, she worked at a frame shop that was like, you know, not even a mile from the house, um, from, you know, the one place that we lived um, in the Pendel area. Siblings? Um, I have an older brother. He's five years older than me. Oh, okay. So Christopher. decent jump. So, yeah. so <clears throat> the magic question, mm-hmm. where did the red hair come from? So my mom has red hair oh. and my dad's dad was a redhead. Whoa, so crazy. my brother and I are both redheads. Uh, I was the more fluorescent of the red. <laughs> <laughs> vibrant. I was more vibrant. Yes. And uh, uh, stuck out in a crowd. So, so then your brother's five years older. How do you and your brother get along? You guys buddies, um, I, hang out all the time. I had a subtle worship, mm-hmm. and uh, he had you know you're the annoying younger <laughs> brother. Disdain. Yeah, you know I was just the disdained, <laughs> annoying. You know I was like Jack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or there's Emmanuel. a decent separation. Yeah. So yeah. I was definitely annoying and kind of like underfoot and like wanted to do things that he was doing. Like I picked up skiing because he skied. Um, I always endeavored to be better than he was at the things he did. So. So you you wanted to ski. You you uh, skateboarded. So I skateboarded. I skied. Just became and then golf. skateboarding went away. Yeah. And then I was like I. I, I lived and breathed and did everything golf. What's it like to play golf? I in played in high college. school. Um, 
Do you, uh, well, like, we were in a get... small school. Dude. It was a really small school. I mean, this is literally as a D3 school is a small school is a small program. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, it was really intense. I mean, go- college golf um, at w- the level I was at, um, which is low on the totem pole, you know, you're on your own. You don't have any help. You're carrying your own bag. Um, so it was intense. It was really yeah. intense. It was, there was a lot of pressure and I didn't do well under the pressure. They didn't I wasn't give you good. like one of those car thingies to drive around. No, dude, you don't, you don't do that. Oh, that's not, man. can't you, you get like one of those rollers? No, dude, that's like, back? no, it's kind of like one of those. <laughs> that's unwritten. D2. No, 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 oh, no. it's just not allowed. No, no, you just don't do Either it. Either you have a caddy or you, you yeah, get, you, you carry your bag. Like yourself. if you're, yeah, it's like when you're hardcore, like that's your thing. Like yeah, either you have a caddy. I wouldn't make it. Or you carry your own bag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, well, and the funny thing is, is when I was in high school and college, I didn't like to have a cart. Like, I yeah. wanted to walk because mm-hmm. it was just more like sure. pro. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're walking walk the course. Around. I mean, that's part of the, you know, the love of the did game. You, did you like it? Oh, I loved golf. Did you? Did I like so college? Or what were you asking? The golf, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I loved playing. And I and I, I had I had good game, but I, I didn't perform well. I, I, my, I was incredibly insecure. Um, I was a real, like, you know, insecure through high school and whatnot. And so I think I had the game to play really, really well, but I didn't know how to manage pressure. I didn't know how to manage mm. competing. And so, so I how would, much pressure is there? Then? Oh, it's a ton. Yeah. Like everybody, dude, when you go, because like the, you know, when you go to a tournament, there's 10 to 15 teams there. Yeah. And... You know, so you've got all the teams, you've got all the family members of those that might come or girlfriends or people or whatever. So there's a little bit of a crowd. Sure. And so, yeah, dude, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, people are watching. What is, like, what's the the risk if you don't perform? Do you, you well, just, you just get score. cut or? You just score bad. I mean, you just look bad. So it's just, it's just embarrassing. Terrible. Yeah, it's just embarrassing. And which like, plays on. Yeah. Yeah. On, yeah, yeah, shame, just feeling mm-hmm. like a failure or whatever. And so, and I, and our coaching, like, like we didn't have legit coaching at that school. Um, so we didn't have like, I didn't have somebody helping me cultivate my game because it was a D3 small school. Did it at least provide like some type of funding for school or was there? Was I didn't have a scholarship or anything? No. So it was just to play. It was. It was did you have to, like, did you get uh, equipment or anything? Yeah. yeah we okay. got like bag, balls. Um, and there was like a, there was a driving range slash like golf place that we could go play for free. The, the local golf course was really nice. And we could play and hit and play as much yeah. as we wanted, hit as many as we wanted. I mean, I played. I would go play two rounds a day. I was. I just. I wasn't disciplined. I didn't know how to train. I, I just. I didn't have guidance. You know what I mean. So I. I mean, I. I in one respect, I'm frustrated that I didn't because I think I could have really played a lot better. Um, and I. And I'm decently athletic, and that's always something that frustrated me. Is like I never. I never really like I played soccer sure. before when I was skateboarding. Well, younger before skateboarding, I played soccer, mm-hmm. and I really I regret. I I decided to quit soccer. I started doing travel soccer when I was, I guess it was seventh grade, and and I I think it just got to be a bit much. And I I said to my parents, I don't want to play, and they were like, okay, but I really wish they would have not let me do that. Yeah, because when I was in tenth grade at high school. Uh, we had like gym or whatever mm-hmm. and we had a soccer unit and the the gym like we had we had a really huge high school and so we had okay. three gyms and tons of wow um and a lot of different coaches and so that semester or or whatever i had the soccer coach and we did soccer and so we're playing soccer and, and he comes over to me and he's like why haven't you come out for the team and i was like because like in my high school like football was big but like the soccer ball and the volleyball guys were like really cool Uh and so there's no way I would have been hazed out the wazoo if I had tried to play off like try out for the soccer team but you know if I'd been confident then like I probably could have managed it or whatever but you know I wasn't so I so that's one of the things that like bugs me about my high school years is that I think I had capability and talents and and didn't really live to those to potential because I just didn't have that kind of guidance or support or whatever and so guidance and support from home also or yeah any of it you know I mean my parents were just blue collar folks you know my dad worked his butt off and he worked at home and my mom worked a part-time job so feeling insecure and and, disconnected and you know which is I think what a lot of us feel but it's ever more so when you don't have when you don't have the support yeah I mean it was a it was a safe environment my parents loved me my parents are awesome people my mom has passed away my dad's still around he's aging 
and um, you know, they struggled with addiction issues. You know, that was a present, that was a thing that present, but it wasn't crazy. It wasn't out of control. It was very like stable, if you could talk about it that way. And my parents divorced um, my senior year in high school, which was really, really, really devastating for me because you know, so many of my friends' parents were getting divorced. And it was like, well, my parents aren't getting divorced. They'd been married 23 or 24 years at that point when I was a senior in high school. But when I had decided to go to Wesley and I'd been accepted or I was going to look at the school and the week before we left to go tour the school with my my parents, because my grand, part of the reason why I picked the school I did is it was a D3 school. I knew I could probably walk on and it was near my grandparents, my oh, mom's okay. parents. They had retired from New York down to North Carolina. And I picked that school because my grandparents were two hours away and my grandfather was a real support Mm -hmm. with my golf. And I knew that I could go hang out there. I knew I could go play with him. He was the one that got me playing golf. Um, And so I I wanted to kind of be close and I was, you know, I was excited to do that. I was excited to make him proud or whatever. And so, um, so yeah, it was, that was one of the reasons. Oh, sorry. I was talking about my mom. So, so right. Like the week that we were going to go tour the school, my mom, like I call, cause I would call her when I get home from school and, um, and I was like, Hey, I was like, I'm home or whatever, checking in. And she said, I'm not coming home. And I was like, huh? Yeah. She's like, no, I'm not coming home. I'm leaving your father. And I was like, wow. So I was you like, found out over the phone. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. I was like, all right, I guess I'll. Where'd she go? See you like, later. She left my dad and moved in with another guy. Wow. And so she moved in with this other guy, Larry, who she later married. And uh, and then like we left like to go. So it was really weird because we went to tour the school and we, we stayed with my grandparents. So it was my yeah. dad and I and my mom had just left and it was just really awkward and strange. And Man. And so it was really devastating because my identity just like shattered. What was the relationship relationship like with your mom after that? Like did you... Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would go see her. Like I'd go over to Larry. He lived nearby and I'd go see her. I don't, I don't remember. Like, so she wasn't necessarily distant or anything. She just had made her mind up and that was it. Yeah. And she left and you know, they weren't, I mean, I knew that they weren't happy. I mean, like, I mean, she was drinking every day. So like, obviously she wasn't happy, you know, and, and they weren't connected. You know, my mom was getting drunk every day. So, I mean, through my junior through my high school years. For was, a while. Yeah. So, I mean, not, I mean, it got really bad probably my junior, like junior and senior year. And then finally she. Yeah. She just obviously was miserable. And so then really... at that point you were graduated from high school and you were out at school. Yeah. I left. So, so I left and I. Did you come home at all or? Um, I could come home to visit or whatever, okay. but I kind of never came home. Yeah. So like I, and I said that to my mom, I said, when I leave, I'm never coming back. And so like. Um, and so I did, I left and I went to college and then, um, I, I lived in, I got an apartment in North Carolina, my second year. I took a year off at school. I worked at Blockbuster Music. Ooh, what is Blockbuster Music? <laughs> so it was a CD, it was like a CD tape store. And wow, so they had Blockbuster crazy. videos and they also had Blockbuster Music. They were bigger in the South. I do not remember. Yeah, <laughs> I do not remember. I don't think I've ever seen a Blockbuster Music. Is yeah, they didn't the proliferate. branding also? Yeah, exactly the same. Crazy. So it, I don't know if it proliferated through the whole country like Blockbuster Video did, but it was just a music store. And so I was like a manager. I remember we had Tower Records. Mm-hmm. That I think that's what it was called. Yeah, so it was like a college. It was a really small college town. It was Rocky Same. Mountain, North Carolina. And so like I went a semester and I took a semester off because I didn't do very well with golf. And so I wasn't really happy and I didn't know what I was studying or doing. And so I didn't want to go back home. And so I, I made friends with this guy that was graduating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he graduated with like journalism and he went to work for the local newspaper. Oh, fun. And then I moved in with him or something like that. And then I moved in. Yeah. And so I just, I got a job at the music store and I was just a manager. And so I just lived for a year and like, you know, paid bills and like had a car and like hung out and partied or whatever. And then, um, so then you're how old at this point? Um, I would have been 19. 19 years old. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, I had like, I made some good friends. I made friends with uh, the Schutz family um, who were part of our faith. And I became really close with them. I started going to church off and on. And um, I did that for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I joined the church. And then a year later, I, I went on a mission. That's cool. So I went back to school for a semester and I, I got into theater. Ooh. And I loved it. I really, really liked what it. What part yeah. of theater? Like the acting part? Yeah, or the... yeah it was stage. Yeah, so stage acting. I really liked it. I think I was decently good. And uh, I really enjoyed it. What I happened really... to that? 
It's just not. So when I came back from my mission, mm-hmm. no, actually it was before my mission. I went to a youth conference and there was a religion like guy, like mm-hmm. a, it was one of these, like, you know, it was like the YSA conferences, oh, okay. right? Sure. Yeah. yeah in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And this guy had a PhD in acting from BYU. And I was like, I was taking acting. So I went up and chatted with him. I was like, well, you have a, you know, cause he mentioned a PhD in theater. And I was like, well, why aren't you in the industry? Right. Cause I like, I was going to like become an actor or whatever. Yeah. Like that's what I, you know, I was dreaming. I was going to become mm-hmm. an actor. Or whatever. And I said, you know, why, why aren't you in the field? And he's like, well, he's like, you can't make it in the field and, and stay true to your, to your faith. Mm. And it's really interesting. Like I, I have, I, for a long time, I had the side hobby uh-huh. where I would like track like every famous LDS person that was like an actor or whatever. And it's really true. There are very few that stay very consistent to our faith and go into the Hollywood world. I think like the only one that maybe has is maybe Jared Hess, the guy that did Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Like he's still very, he's still very active. active. Um, But I know a lot of other, a lot of other folks that grow up LDS or whatever. I mean, I could give you a list of 10 that you'd be, you'd be so surprised that they're LDS and, and they, they left our faith. You you decided to save your talents for the Lord. This show, absolutely. Yes, yes, yeah. So I did that, and I really loved it. I really, really enjoyed acting. I enjoyed being on the stage. So then, how much act? So you you took some classes. Yeah, in, in I your majored. Undergrad. I switched my major. And so then, what is your undergrad in? Um, I got an associate's in sociology. Uh huh. Because that was my initial major. Okay. And then I switched to act. You know, to like theater. But then I switched back. And when I came back from being a missionary, I finished my associates at BYUI. It was uh-huh. the first year it was BYUI, and I got in sociology. But they didn't okay. have four year programs. Then I went to Utah State. I got my bachelor's in human development at Utah State. And then I oh, and then okay. and then we decided to come back to Philadelphia. And I went to graduate school in Philadelphia. Drexel. Yeah, Drexel University. So then, growing up. What are some of your fondest memories? Mm. Like, what are some of the, the fun things you remember uh, as a kid, teenager? Well, I definitely, I loved being outside. I loved just mm. being out with my friends. I mean, you know, the younger years, uh, we lived next to these these train tracks. And, um, yeah, I was just running around with Brian Pellicone and Fee Wynn. He was this Vietnamese kid that mm-hmm. was an immigrant family. Actually, he was the first, I think he said this, I don't know if it was his family or all of Vietnamese people, uh-huh. that he was like the first Vietnamese kid ever born in the United States. And his name was Phi, P-H-I for Philly. And uh, That's what the kid told you. Yeah, that he was the first Vietnamese kid ever born in the United States. I don't know if that's true. It's probably I, not true. But but he's... he's uh, Sounds like something. But it might have been his family. It's probably true. his family. True. Yeah, maybe his and family I generalized name. it to like all Vietnamese people because I was a <laughs> I stupid dude. the first Vietnamese, Vietnamese American. American. <laughs> and Fee, I've meant to look him up. He was a ridiculously talented artist. The last time I looked him up, yeah. he had paintings that were selling... That's for really thousands cool. so and thousands of it. dollars. I don't know. I haven't talked to him do you, since do you know where he forever. I ran into him like a couple times, like after college when I was up in that area, like I had tracked him down or something mm-hmm. and all of his stuff was like in the studio. Like How fun. because above Philadelphia new, like above Philadelphia, further up the, the river above Washington's crossing, there's this town called um, new hope. Yeah. And it was really smarmy. It was kind of a, an up and coming smarmy. smarmy. That's like, was, like rich. Yeah. Or or like okay. rich area. And it's like one of these little towns that mm-hmm. like becomes really picturesque. And it was like far enough from like the New York metropolitan area that I think people drove in. Sure. And so like his, all of his stuff was in a gallery there. Wow. And I like met up with him or something like that. I should like try to look him up. So he's like a famous artist and the first Vietnamese yes, person. Yes, there you go. We were super States. tight. Like he was my best friend, like um, through those years. Um, like we were super tight. He lived down around the so corner. So just kind of like classic as kids, just out hanging, yeah. hanging out, yeah, playing, fun. playing outside, like watching Saturday cartoons. Like I was just out of the house all the time. I never wanted to be in the house, partly because it wasn't great, but like yeah. I just wanted to be out doing stuff. And so I, yeah, I was out skateboarding. I had like a, you know, I had a paper route. Uh, my first job mm-hmm. was Mickey D's, baby. Oh, really? Yeah, Mickey D's. That's so fun. my first job was Mickey D's, and then Foot Locker. My brother worked at Foot Locker. Cool. He got me a job at Foot Locker, and then and then my buddy, my really my best friend through my high school years, we're st- we still we still keep in touch. Roger Meski. He um he and I met at McDonald's, and he lived in a different high school, like a different school district. Yeah. And we met at McDonald's, and that was in ninth grade. So I was fourteen. 
And so my best friend was an out of school friend and we got together. He stayed at my house every weekend yeah. and we worked at this bowling alley. And then we both went to work for this Ita- at this Italian restaurant. And That's so we cool. would work at the Italian restaurant together and we worked at the bowling alley together. If I didn't have Roger, cool. I don't know how I survived high school. Like he was my ever. And I, and I think I was for him as well. Like we really, he had a pretty messy family life as well. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were super tight and ever, if I wasn't at school or wasn't at work, I was with Roger and we were out. You know, he, we were big, he was a big football fan. I hated football, but we were huge baseball fans and hockey fans. And so we, yeah. I spent a lot of time a huge Flyers fan. Um, and so I spent a lot of time watching hockey and, um, you know, being a dorky kid or whatever, working at the bowling alley. So, I got tell so me, many bowling alley stories, dude. Tell me, um, ooh, that's a good one. So tell me first, what is one toy that you wish you still had from your childhood? Well, I still do have Ooh, okay. like a bunch of my Hot Wheels. So I was a huge Hot Wheels kid. Oh, you kid. do have them. Yeah. They're like around the house. They've yeah. all like ended up oh, in toy boxes or whatever. Around. Yeah. I had like kept back like my favorite, favorite Hot Wheel. Do you remember? Yeah. It was, uh, it, was, uh, it was a Porsche. It was a black Porsche with racing you know stripes. It's, it's probably one of those boxes it's upstairs. Yeah, it's up there somewhere. What is uh, your... But, but hold on though. If I could... If I could... <coughs> If I could have any toys back, yeah, okay, my original Transformers. Oh man! So I was a huge, awesome. I was a huge um, Autobots fan. So I had, um, I had Optimus. I had um, like a. Was there a fire truck? I there had few, the guy that was a race a car. Mm-hmm. I had the race car, and so those were my beloved, like my Transformer yeah, toys. I also had a cool. big Voltron set that I was a huge fan of as well. That like that cool. broken pieces. Do you know what pieces? happened to them? I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah. I, thought, I thought I had like, when I went off to college, I thought I had like boxed up like three or four boxes of my old stuff and like left in my house. And my parents must've got rid of it. Like my dad must've got rid of it. My mom must've got rid of it when like I was away at school. And then they were like, oh, I don't know. I was like, dude, like I know that I, I like purposely yeah. packed the stuff up so I wouldn't get, but anyway. So yeah, I would definitely want my Transformers back. So then is there anything from your childhood, whether it be toy or not, that you wished you would have kept hold of and it just got lost or you just decided, oh, I don't need it anymore, gave it away or threw it away. Anything that you can remember? Um, I mean, I did actually hold on to, um, so every Christmas, so up in the Northeast, there's a gas company called Hess mm-hmm. and they had Hess trucks. And my grandfather would buy my brother and I a Hess truck every year. So, so I mean, had every single one of them from from all like, the first 20 years, you know, of and my life. These are like, are these like die cast, like metal trucks? Or um, they no, they plastic? were like heavy. They were plastic and metal. Like the first one, it was and like a classic looking truck. They? they were like. So like about a foot. Yeah, about a, a foot. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I had them awesome. and I kept them all in the boxes. Uh-huh. Kept them all in the boxes and kept them. I had them the, the whole time when we were first, and, and when we were first married, when Emmanuel was about four, uh-huh. I remember we moved in and I had like, 18 of these wow. Hess trucks. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm not a collector. I'm not one of these people that's going to be like, oh, this is going to be worth something someday. So I decided, I'm like, Nick, like, what do you think? Should I keep or whatever? And and uh, I decided, I'm like, I'm going to do so. So I got all the boxes. I brought uh-huh. them into Emmanuel's room and we opened up all the wow, boxes and like I put Christmas. them out. Yeah, I guess I could have been smart and like giving them half. Of, <laughs> I brought them all out and like we pulled them all out of the boxes and put batteries because they because as they progressed during the years, like they did more and more things. So then what were the batteries for? Oh, oh! You mean as they like throughout the years they would they have more yeah. functionality? Yes, exactly. Cool. Like so, they, like they'd light up or oh, something. Oh yeah, and like some of them like noises. one would like carry a jet and one had like a car That's inside the thing. Cool. Like they got Holy really, cow. really cool. They were super cool. Reminds me of like my micro machines where you could just yeah. Run so, up um, so yeah. So I actually had kept those, and That's then cool. and then yeah. Now there's bits and pieces. There's a couple of them I think still around in toy boxes, or whatever. And and when I decide because I was going to be like, well, if they get broken, I was like, and I just I didn't care. Like I just I'm, I'm not that guy. Like I'm not that yeah. guy that like wants to keep something so that I can make money off of it. Like I cared more that I could play with my kids. So so that was, I, was something I did keep, but then I just let it become a toy and the kids yeah. played with it. And then of course, over time they just break and all that kind of stuff. So And now you look back and tear forms. What's that? Tear forms. No. Falls down your, no, not one face. bit. I don't care. So you. now I'm interested about the bowling alley. So what is, what's the craziest story you have from your bowling alley days? <laughs> Something entertain us. Oh, I don't know, dude. I wish Roger was here. We should interview Roger. Would he have crazy? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
it was just a crazy environment, What's right? What's one story you remember that just sticks out, like something that happened? Well, the, that you this won't is ever the thing. Forget. Here's the thing: is is like all the stories that are coming to my mind are all these nefarious things that we did. Yeah, <laughs> like, we want to hear it. Tell us. <laughs> Tell us. Um, so we worked. Um, is it, was, I can't remember if it was Friday night or Saturday night. We worked, uh-huh. I think it was Saturday night and it was moonlight bowling. Mm-hmm. And so we worked, we would go to work at like nine o'clock sure. and he, and they had moonlight bowling where mm-hmm. they'd shut all the lights off and it was all black lights Yeah, and cool. people would come and they'd pay a, a fee to get in like 10 bucks or something like that. And then, um, there were these pins that were mixed in and they were called money pins. And so there would be like a yellow one, a blue one, and like a red one. Mm -hmm. And if the pin ended up as the front pin, it was a money pin and they'd be like, hey, money pin, money pin. And so we were like stationed like throughout the bowling alley. And so it'd be like a blue money pin. And so if like the blue pin fell and they got a strike, they'd get like a buck. Oh, and cool. so we would like dish out the money. So we'd like That's dish out the cool. like a dollar, or it was like it was a dollar, like two dollars, and maybe three dollars, a dollar fifty. I don't remember. And then they could get like the twenty-five dollar money pin. Wow! And the twenty-five dollar one, it was it was it was a blue pin in the front, and then the other color pins in the seven ten pin position. So this was completely random. Then it was right? completely because okay. they were just mixed in, right? Okay. And so they'd be like money pin, money pin. But so, but one of the guys would like say to people like, "Hey, I'll set it up for you, uh-huh. and if you get it, you give me ten, and you can keep fifty. <laughs> Team, right? So, so we did. Yeah, side gig, side hustle. Right. Well, and then here we are, like 15 year old kids, and we had to dish all this money. So, we had to take, like, so, like, the guy that ran it would, like, give us, like, you know, 30 bucks of quarters. And so it's like, yeah, how many rolls of quarters do you think disappeared, like, during the money pin night, right? Do you know what I mean? I bought more CDs yeah. at the at the record store around the corner for I got my a bonus tonight. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know how they made money. I'm not even kidding you. Like they were legit, like Italians. It was a long. Like, I, th- I think it honest. It must. I don't, dude. <laughs> I don't know how it wasn't. Like I'm not kidding you because like so like I would take a couple rolls of quarters, whatever. But some of the guys that worked there, dude, would like take. Like a lot of money, like too much money for them to survive. <laughs> yeah, like it's like it's like, like how the he just do it? took two hundred dollars. Like how much did wow. they make? Like I'm not kidding you. Like that's crazy. it's really crazy. I didn't I didn't ever sin that poorly, but I did I did uh, walk out with some rolls of quarters over the years. Um, and so so it was really fun. So then we wouldn't finish till like two o'clock in the morning. Wow. And there was all these video games, right? So we'd go and clean up, and it was of course just gross. You know what I mean? It's yeah. This, sure. And it was like this basement bowling alley mm-hmm. too. I have so many great memories though. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it with my best friend Roger, right? And these two yeah. other guys who were like just these punks from local town or whatever. And so, um, yeah, so we'd finish up to 2 3 o'clock in the morning. And then there was all these video games. And then we would play like our boss, Vinny. Like literally, that was yeah. his name, Vinny. It was the third. Sounds Yeah, sounds. like, right? And so we would play. Did you, did you ever know um, NBA Jams? Yeah, I, I don't think it was I like ever two played. on two. Yeah. It was like two on two, mm-hmm. and there was this big video game. But and yep. so the four of us would get around NBA jams, and we played for awesome. like another hour. Jeez. And then and you were how old? You were fifteen. Yeah, I was like fifteen, sixteen, <laughs> seventeen. I think from no, no, no. So it'd be tenth grade. So whatever. Okay, 10th. so, so 10th, 15, 16. So I did this my whole high school that. career. I, every Saturday, I worked at this bowling wow. alley for my whole high school with my buddy. That's awesome. And uh, and we would we'd finish up at like three or three thirty, and we'd go over to Denny's, and then we'd eat like Denny's. Denny's and then we'd go home and like he and my house was literally behind the bowling alley wow and so you know he'd stay at my house every weekend because we worked together yeah and dude, we spent so much time together dude so we would yeah we'd get in like four o'clock five o'clock in the morning or whatever and then we'd sleep all day and then we'd go play or whatever and just do stuff so or we'd go work (laughs) we made a killing (laughs) (laughs) so it's so funny though listen to this (laughs) the last time Uh uh-huh the last time I was in Philadelphia, um, it's a couple years ago. Um, Vinny owns an, another bowling alley. Oh, he's, he's still in this in the bowling other. Ball. No, it's bowling different because that bowling business. alley, like, so that bowling alley, like, he sold it, 
and he was going to build like this mega bowling alley, but like it never happened. It never materialized. I don't know what yeah. happened. He gave away too uh, much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and so, but he has now since bought another bowling alley, like in the town over from that town that I used to live in, Morrisville. This little place. I don't know if he still does, but when I last, it was like three years ago or something like that. We went and my buddy Roger and I, he's like, dude, Vinny, he's like, Vinny owns another bowling alley. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? That's he's like, we crazy. should go by. And so we went by. And he, <laughs> he was like out to lunch or something like that. So oh. we were, I was so bummed that we didn't get to see Vinny, but. So dude, the question crazy. is, is Vinny good at bowling? His dad, his grandpa, yeah. oh, his grandpa, his grandpa was like a pro. Like, oh, really? Like, of like one of the pro bowling. Like, I don't know if that made us how he made his money or whatever. That's like, cool. He, Vinny Sr. was, and man, was he like old school, dude. <laughs> and he, had he like no, I, and they, they had a senior bowling league and he still brought it, dude. That's cool. Like, he would be up over 270. Wow. He, there was a bunch of signs on the thing. He bowled 300s there. I mean, he was like, cool. Bowling. That's dude. cool. Yeah, isn't that hilarious? Those are fun stories. Yeah, like like, like a, a huge alley. part of my uh, of high school life was spent in bowling alley. <laughs> yeah, my buddy actually got a job there, um, and he like worked there during the week. Cool. Like, um, and he became a mechanic. Roger did a lot of mechanics mm-hmm. on the on the bowling. Stuff. It was dangerous, man. Oh, I bet. And we would go back there, like when we would drop those pins in, or we'd have to reset them. Like they were like old school. Like you lose an arm, dude. It was man. pretty. It was pretty intense. And there was all kinds of there was all kinds of nudies on the back wall of the bowling alley. <laughs> but people just like the mechanic guy. Oh, it was just the mechanic stuff. Yeah, it's just like inappropriate. Yes. Good place for a fifteen year old. <laughs> Perfect place for a fifteen, sixteen year old kid to be working. <laughs> it was great though. I loved it, man. So much fun. So yeah, that was high school. That's awesome. Yeah. So the movie. Oh, are we transitioning? Wart. What? So the movie that I picked to discuss, so this is a beloved movie. Uh-huh. I actually had so um I actually had a movie poster. So my parents, we we were early in on having a VHS uh tape player. Oh wow. At home. Like we had the one that popped up. Wow. That you put in Fancy. and then pushed it down. Holy, it's and all that bowling alley money. F- a five star video. Mm-hmm. My parents like became friends or whatever, um, with the owners of five star video by Oxford Valley Mall. And uh, and so consequently, um, we could get movie posters. Oh, that's and so cool. I had tons of movie posters, and I had the Sword in the Stone movie posters, gigantic, cool. and it was on my wall forever. What happened to it? Oh, I'm sure it just got destroyed over the years, you mm, know. But um, sad. but Sword in the Stone is definitely, um, as far as Disney movies go, it goes back pretty far too. I yeah, mean, I think it's what 60s or 70s, yeah, something like that. But that was by far my favorite um, movie as a kid, and I definitely identified with with Wart, you know, mm-hmm. feeling skinny and goofy and so funny. It's Wart. And is that his name? I can't remember. No, it's Arthur. Yeah, King that's Arthur. right. It's a, yeah. Duh, duh. And so, um, so yeah, I think I just really identified, you know, the older guy who's like the adopted family is mm-hmm. like, you know, it was like my big older brother who was like, you know, not very nice to me or whatever at the time. And so, um, so yeah, like I just think everything about that movie just is, you know, I loved, uh, I mean, the thing that strikes me, I think one of the things I, I love about movies or those is I love movies that have mentors. Yeah. Right. And so the fact the that, that war, that warder Arthur has Merlin as a guy like, you know, karate kid was another movie. I love another movie. I loved as a kid was vision quest and, um, uh, flyers, the cycling movie. Yeah. With, um, uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner. Costner yeah. yeah. Like all those shows, like I I loved that somebody was training or working on something or had a had a, a journey to go on or whatever. Yeah. And so my favorite parts of Sword in the Stone are when he's changed into, you know, a oh, squirrel. The yeah. yeah, he's changed into a squirrel, he's changed into a fish. He's chained into a bird. I loved it when he was changing into the squirrel. Like they were changing the squirrels as a kid, and then they had like the little flirty stuff. Like yeah. I always thought that uh, was so cool. silly. Yeah, I loved and it. And I loved it when my girls were watching it with me. They thought it was so silly when the one chipmunk squirrel liked like yeah. Mar- uh, liked Merlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, knock it off. Uh-huh. Yeah, so she's all like, was, she's that's all the trying one to thing seduce I, him. I always loved as a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. I love like what you're talking about. I really noticed that throughout this, there's this real strong message of building, you know, resilience, building this capability within Arthur and this knowledge that, hey, you are capable, you are strong, you can do this, I have faith in you, you're able to move forward. 
despite whether you may think you can do it or not. And I love that that is the teaching style that I see Merlin, or at least yeah. jumps out to me that Merlin is using throughout these different lessons is you have that inner strength. And I think I think we all have an inner strength, but how often do we fail or or forget or or we just don't see that? Yeah, I think I think one of the other things that I love about that story or it speaks to me is that, you know, Arthur is this adopted kid mm-hmm. like without a family, but there's something important about him, right? Like he has a destiny. Yeah. There's something special about him. And I think that that was something that I wanted or hoped for or believed maybe that there was something special inside of me and that there was something that I was destined for that was greater or I wanted to be destined for something that was greater than the the mediocrity. I think that that's a real like a real narrative, I felt very mediocre, you Mm -hmm. know, like I was mediocre at high school golf. I was mediocre at college golf. I was mediocre student. There wasn't things that I would like had executed greatness. Like I believed or wanted to, or could or whatever, you know what I mean? So that was a real theme. We want, we want some, we want to have some uniqueness. Yeah, definitely. We want to feel special. Oh, I was unique as a kid, (laughs) a goofy redhead. (laughs) I definitely was. I definitely was unique as a kid. My dad always said that I, like my dad from when I was a little kid, he's like, that I, I marched to the beat of a different drum. He always said that all the time. (laughs) You were were a little wart. I I was just, I think too, there was just an innocence. Like I was like really naive. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, like I think I, I think I have like a decent amount of wisdom. Like that's why I love Yoda so Mm -hmm. much. Like I connect, but I think there's a really interesting aspect of, of wisdom. That's also naive, you know, because I think, when you are wise or or are attracted to those ideas, yeah, there's just this basic faith in the things that are right. And so I don't think I conceived of that there was bad things. Like I mean, I sure like there was danger, there was problems, but I think there was just this part of me that was like, well, you just do what's right, right? Yeah. Like people do what's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like people don't actually be like a villain or whatever. You know, there's like a real naive. And I think that I was really naive. I was definitely like a late bloomer like socially and intellectually, you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't hit my stride until, until my, my mid twenties, my like late twenties, mid twenties. And so kind of this yearning to be something that you maybe in some sense know you can become, but are struggling to see maybe the path. To yeah, that. that's definitely it. I think that's one. Yeah. Like I didn't know the way. Yeah. And I think for me, joining our faith really put that out there. It really mm-hmm. gave me a roadmap and it gave me guides and it gave me surrogates to follow. I, I definitely did. I had some different individuals in my path. Um, you know, when I made the decision to join the church and then like in my mission experience, I had some people that were really well, guides for you me. You know, gaining a sense of purpose, right? A sense of understanding Absolutely. as to how, how can I... A framework. Yeah. How can I find find this purpose in this life and and provide, you know, really provide a, a meaning to what mm-hmm. what I'm doing? Yeah. I mean, that's really how I make sense of like how I get through life, how I let things go. It's like what matters, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think, you know, the faith decision for me really gave me a framework for which this is what matters, you know what I mean? Well, that's a great question. How often do we ask that to ourselves? I think oftentimes we get sucked into whatever is causing the fear or the anxiety or the the sadness, the worry, uh, and we we maybe fail to slow down, take a take a second and just, just ask mm-hmm. what, what really what really is – important or what matters or what's crucial in this moment, Uh, trying to give us some separation. So that process down is tough. Yeah. And and all of that really is what led me to, you know, becoming a a family therapist, you know, after my mission experience, I wanted to continue to to help folks. I wanted Mm -hmm. to do good. And uh, I went to work for this um, AmeriCorps nonprofit called City Year, which is still around. What did they do? What type of Nonprofit was it? Um, so the the service work that City Year did in Philadelphia, and I think this is a I think this is kind of what their mission is now. Is it was um, service learning support in schools. So I oh, worked okay. in the inner city schools with youth, like cool. fourth graders, eighth graders, and high school kids, in helping s- support them. And because Philadelphia at the time had this um, 
required service learning component, right? Mm-hmm. So that there was learning that required youth to be involved in some kind of service project. Oh, cool. So there was application to theoretical stuff you learn at school. Sure. So we helped provide those service opportunities. So we like worked practical with, knowledge yeah, type stuff. exactly. And so I worked with fourth graders, I think primarily with fourth graders as a core member. And then I became a, a project manager. I became a team leader at that organization. That's cool. When I, when I met Nicola. How much did you like that job? That sounds like a fun it. job. But it was part of there that, that really st- – like because I didn't know. I just knew I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. So I ended up at this nonprofit. And I really had like a profound awakening because I'm like – Cause I don't know, like I had probably the prejudice of like, oh yeah, like inner city people are bad because there's a lot of crime and all this kind of stuff. But then I, when I worked with these kids, I was like, these kids are just good kids. Yeah. You know, they're just coming up in really difficult environments. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, well, how can I really help kids? Like, how can I really help families? And then it was like, so then when I went to, I went to university during the summer and I had a course and one of the professors of one of the courses, it was like a general course a religion course and he was a PhD in MFT and he would teach the religion class and he talked all the time about theoretical principles of family therapy and so I started chatting with him and I was like that's it is that kind of what led you down yep. the marriage like, family because yep. there's a there's a few different tracks you can yep. go with therapy. and so I was like oh wow you can like actually make a living or whatever and <laughs> you know like the money was good and yeah. and so I made the decision like right then so then um, I finished um, – I went back and I worked again for another half a year, a year. <coughs> I wasn't married at that point yet. Nick and I were dating at that point. And then um, we got married and then I went back to school and I finished my associates. <coughs> so she was living in Idaho then at the time also. Is that where no. you met her? She was back east. Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, she was finishing up her dental hygiene degree when we met at, at ch- we met at church. So you were back home, uh, and that's what you're saying. You're back home working at home, not in Idaho. Is right. that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. And then we got married, and then we went to school to get, we moved out there together when we were cool. first married. And yeah. was she done then with uh-huh. dental hygiene, and she yeah. just worked as a dental hygienist? Um, she, um, no, she didn't initially get her license right away, mm-hmm. and then we had a kid come. And oh, so okay. she she got licensed during those years. She first really worked. She worked some, um, but she didn't work in Idaho because uh, she was just pregnant and the baby and all that. So she started working in Utah when we when I was at Utah State. Yeah, she licensed in Utah, and then she worked. Uh, we were there for three years, and she worked a lot. She worked full time during the summers, and then during the school year, she worked a little bit here and there because she made so much good money, dude. She made like thirty like thirty bucks an hour. No, probably was twenty four like twenty four twenty five dollars an hour. So Drexel's a great school, but what made you decide to go? I mean, that's all the way across the country. Yeah, so we were out west. Well, we wanted – well, she was from – my wife had grown up – she's a Brit, um, Mm. but she had grown up in northern New Jersey. And my brother and my family was all back in Philadelphia. So So we weren't weren't going to settle in Utah, dude. And so I I got accepted to – I got accepted to – did I apply to Purdue? I can't remember if I applied for Purdue. I got accepted at Drexel. I got accepted. I got accepted everywhere I applied, and mm-hmm. there were four different schools. And so I was trying to decide between Appalachian State mm-hmm. um, in Boone, North Carolina, and and Philadelphia, and um, and Purdue. No, which one is in? Uh, is it UVA? Purdue is in West Lafayette, Indiana. Yeah, that's right. So it was UVA. Okay. So I got accepted to UVA. And they were in like like that's Blacks Blackburg Black somewhere in there. Where is is UVA at? UVA? University of Virginia. Yeah. Which one? I don't. Whenever one of them has a campus in the DC area, Arlington. And, yeah. University of Virginia Arlington. No. I don't. I, anyway, so the graduate program there, and I got accepted there. That was a three year program, and I was just itching to get going. I I kind of regret not going to UVA because I think I probably would have had a full ride. Oh, man. Yeah, and I just didn't know, dude. I didn't know anything about money, anything about yeah. finances. And Drexel University was a boatload of money. Oh, I it bet. was so much money. I bet. And so, um, you know, financially now, I regret, you know, <laughs> not going to the this school. This is a good lesson. I you just know, didn't know anything. My yeah. parents, nobody in my family had gone to college. Like, you I don't had no have, idea, dude. Well, I had and no you don't clue. have to go to an expensive school no. or the best, you know, the, no. the highest ranked school. You can I go mean, I'm to really a grateful. I got great. I got a great education. Yeah. And so, so anyway, I had a, a bunch of different universities to pick from and we decided to go back to Philadelphia because that was where family was from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had a great educational experience at Drexel. I, I loved it. I was in a small cohort. I had great professors and really, I, and I had, I, I, I had a mentor. 
Alphonse Pignatero. The guy Alphonse. is still working. Is he really? Yeah. Oh I just goodness. was messaging him. He's in his 70s. Oh, I just okay. was messaging him. I was just messaging him the other day through LinkedIn. He's still practicing therapy Man. in Philadelphia. Oh, not when I'm 70. He is awesome, dude. And he was really what I needed. He was a fantastic mentor for me. Because it was funny, too. I was talking to our director or our placement director or site director or whatever. And I said to her, I said, listen, I said, I really need a mentor. Mm-hmm. I need somebody that can guide me and yeah. really... And she goes, I know who. She's like, Alphonse. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And he was the school counselor for this charter school in Philadelphia, and he had cool. a private practice. And he, I want to say he's a CSAT, because like, he specialized in sex yeah, addiction. Like, he was a recovering sexaholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was Italian. He had swag, dude. <laughs> and I freaking love this guy. He was such a father figure to me when I was in graduate school. And so I'd go do supervision at his office. He had this smarmy office and a, and a, a pie cool. in one of the buildings in Philadelphia. And, and so I'd go and chat with cases with him and, and stuff. He was just and I and I kept him the whole my whole graduate career. Wow. Like usually you swipe you sight switch, but even when I sight switched, I kept him. That's cool. And so I got to I got to ha- have him as my mentor my whole graduate school career. And, and and he was just a, a really important support for me in those years. So that's really awesome. <laughs> so what uh, you kind of talked a little bit about um, sort of the stone and what you enjoy, but why why pick this movie? What what about it is is the reason that you decided I want sword in the stone? For um, my I think interview? it's just I think it's just really. Um, I mean, it was, it's that sense of journey, that sense of him discovering who he is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I loved, um, you know, the life lessons that he learned in this really interesting way by being turned into animals. I also love the squirrel thing. I thought I always wanted to be like, a, if I was going to be an animal as a kid, it was like a cat or a squirrel. And so it sounds like you maybe have had these moments throughout your life where you have had these mentor type roles. You just mentioned one. Well, he was a big one. Yeah. And my mission experience, I definitely had one. In high school, not so much. I felt like I was kind of rudderless in that mm-hmm. way. I don't know if I had somebody I felt like was looking out for me in my high school years. But beyond that, for sure. So what does the but mentor I think, provide for you, do you think? As you look back, what has it provided for you that's enabled you to be where you're at now? Well, you know, um, I mean, one of my greatest uh, mentors for sure now is R.L. Pitcher. He was uh, a consultant. Uh, I can't remember the group that he was a consultant for out of Boston. Mm-hmm. And he's just a really smart, dynamic guy that I worked with um, in my mission experiences, my mission president. And I've, I've kept in touch with him over the years. I don't know, just like having somebody, I guess because my parents are just incredible, hardworking, good people. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom was really wise, just just really gracious and wise. My dad was real fun-loving, um, real outgoing, um, really loved people and family in that very yeah. Southern Texas way. But... And my parents provided and we had a stable-ish, you know, but I don't feel like I got guided like towards becoming a professional or in my golf, like I said, or whatever. And so I think, you know, um, I've always wanted those characters. And so I've I've tried to find those people um, that could, you know, kind of chart the course for me because I didn't feel like I had it growing up, you know. And so I wanted, I wanted to be better. I wanted to do more. And so I think, I think this movie speaks to that and, and, and these experiences that I had of people that kind of guided the way. Which is really a neat concept. That's why I love Yoda as well. That we can be better, um, together, right? Instead of on our own. And, and it kind of, we get this notion sometimes of this like self-reliance concept where I, you know, I need to be independent or uh, capable on my own. But I think true self-reliance is understanding who to go to. Yeah. How do we connect with others that allow us to grow and move forward in a healthy way? I mean, there are definitely people that, you know, are pioneers in industries or, or areas of their lives, but but I'm sure they still had. I bet they did. I bet they and, did. And, and I and I just love that whole. I just love that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know that idea of of working hard, of learning through failure, of getting after something, yeah. cultivating capability. You know, just that whole. I just love everything about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so yeah, like, and I think that's why you know in our in our place of work, I I've consistently 
um, sought the opportunity and I've had interns. I've had interns almost every year yeah. that I've worked for Family Services Save just a couple because I want to provide that for folks. I want to I want to be a guide in helping them develop their professional identity and and it provides it provides I think meaning and and, and uh, for me it's it's fun when it I fun. when I can work with someone and it makes me feel good yeah and and I think that at the same time that it makes me feel good that I can provide maybe something I feel like I learn also mm-hmm. and it's really kind of this. Uh, symbi- symbi- symbiotic relationship. Well, because you're challenged, right? They'll challenge you with questions you hadn't thought of. Sure. And so then you have to like stretch to, you know, engage in that. Yeah, having an intern keeps me real theoretically sharp. When it kind of goes to this idea of maybe just friendship or um, relationships and and having this relationship uh, with people or with others where we can learn from each other. Right? Maybe I have something to offer, but I can also learn from you. And I think yeah. that we can, if we open our mind to that, I think that that can really be healing and, and also enable us to find purpose, meaning, direction mm-hmm. in life maybe quicker than. I think one of the other things I love about the Sword and Stone movie is, you know, Wart, this skinny, you know, mm-hmm. 12 year old, 11 year old, 13 year old, whatever old he is, doesn't like he's weak, right? Yeah. But he's able to draw the sword from the stone, which it's like so it's too. seen <laughs> like it's seen that you need somebody strong. Yeah. It's like it's like, no, that's not that's that's so one type of strength. strength or right? it's like well, what, what is strength? Right. What's yeah. the type of strength? Right. Because you think, oh, well, you need to be physically tough. Mm-hmm. But you know, something that that well, Wart had, hold well, on, give me a sec. So something that Wart had in the movie was he had character, right? Because mm-hmm. when the adopted family gets upset with Merlin, like he stands up for him and he actually is told, Well, you don't get to be the squire at the thing because he mouths off because he's standing up for Merlin. And so so he had character and strength, and he was good and good-natured and yeah. worked really hard at everything he did. And so I just – I love that that juxtaposition of here's this scrawny kid pulling the sword that doesn't even have the strength to, like, hold it, yeah. you know, out of this stone, and here he is this little kid. So he had an inner strength, you know, I, which is, I guess, the origin story of King Arthur and yeah. the round table and all that. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great uh, message sent that, uh, you know, leadership – isn't just about being the the great fighter or the the big burly person, mm-hmm. right? The strong, physically strong person. Yeah, because Merlin's then, always trying to like send this message of intelligence and smarts yeah. and knowing things. Do you know the other the other? <coughs> sorry, the other thing that I loved from the movie. Mm-hmm. The other thing I loved about the movie was the whole. After, you know, I definitely was a D and D kid. And um, the magic and the 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 duel sure. between Merlin and uh, and the witch lady and the witch lady. Uh-huh. I love that yeah. scene. That's my favorite scene in the movie. One of my favorite scenes in the movie where Merlin and her. Yeah. Um, and I loved how creative they were with picking which animal they responded uh-huh. to in their in their duel or whatever. And I just always just thought that was the coolest, most magical. Yeah, it, it, it's a it, that was a funny part. And who they? Oh man, when she became the lady, they said she, they referenced someone. I can't remember who I was thinking of. Or no, maybe that's a different movie I'm thinking of. But um, but yeah, when she and she would change around to different uh, characters or yeah, animals, personages. Yeah, personages, yep. or animals like rhinos and rabbits just, and yeah. I remember crabs as and... a kid thinking like her animation was just so like vibrant because a lot of the movie is kind of like the bu- blue hues. I feel like it's like really gray, and then she is like a bright color. Like she's off. I, I guess she's you know, purple. And yeah, I guess Wart doesn't he have like red on him or something at some point. But anyways, it's I a always, it's a grayer it's a grayer too. like hue to the whole movie. Yeah. And and yeah, I like the magic part. Yeah. But so magic is always cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I think that's when I when I was watching that part, I think in my mind or right after the movie in my mind popped in the movie Willow. Oh. And I think I mentioned to you I was like, "Oh man, Willow's one that Dude, I wished to watch Willow. as a kid all the time." You oh, idiot. Cool. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> I, the, uh, one of the other movies I loved as a kid 
We got to do this one too. It's the Dark Crystal, dude. Oh yeah. So I so love. Then we well, could do okay, Dark so, Crystal and then Age okay, of Resistance. How could how could I not talk about this? Okay, mm. so during my childhood. <laughs> Okay, not talk about this. Oh, I was man. Gonna, uh, rewind. Okay. Rewind. Okay, one of, tell me about Dark one, Crystal. Uh, no. <laughs> As a kid, we had the Disney Channel. Like, it was oh, a paid wow. channel well, it's all, in cable, yeah. right? It's and all the bowling so, alley money. Yeah, no. The this quarters. Is pre, this is pre-bowling alley money. Oh, okay. And so I watched the Disney Channel. And so every morning, uh-huh. I watched Fraggle Rock. Because it was on before oh, I went man. to school. I don't think I ever watched Fraggle Dude, Rock. Fraggle, Fraggle, Fraggle Rock. Rock. And I loved but the Muppets. Puppets, yeah. The Muppet Show was mm-hmm. also another show I loved yeah, I, as a I kid. I didn't watch Muppet yet. So the Muppet Show and, man, Fraggle Rock was my freaking <laughs> jam, dude. I yeah. loved me some Fraggle Rock. So I would watch, like, s- s- cartoons every morning before school. Uh-huh. I would watch, like, the, they had, like, these half an hour of different vignettes from, like, all the cartoons. So all the classic cartoon movies or shows, I know yeah. them all. I know every single one of them. <laughs> them inside and out everything about them because I, I like i lived on the disney channel and oh, then man. yeah that fraggle rock played every morning so every season of fraggle rock i my That's kids awesome. my kids have all watched the whole season yeah, every I don't season think of fraggle, I ever got rock. In fraggle rock i, I definitely muppets loved it. but yeah dark the crystal doozers. and then if you've seen the netflix the age of resistance which i don't think they're continuing which now, is such a bummer i, really I haven't it. watched is that are you talking about age of resistance is that the yeah, updated fraggle or updated dark crystal that is the prelude to Dark Crystal. Crystal. I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, you got to watch it. My, my son has watched it a ton, but I, I haven't ever. But yeah, I loved that movie, The Dark Crystal. That is a great yeah. movie to there's chat about. There's a few about. like that, like Labyrinth. And then oh, there's Labyrinth the Tom Cruise one. Do you remember that one? What was the Legend. Tom? Yeah, Legend. We got to talk about that one. Yeah, there's a few of them. Okay, we're getting sidetracked. But those, <laughs> there's so many movies. We we definitely, I need we need to make a note of Dark Crystal and... Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, but Fraggle Rock. So, so yeah, my jam <laughs> was Fraggle Rock, dude. I I lo- I lived on Fraggle Rock and the dozers, like everything about it. Because again, it was this adventure. Because yeah. he was like, they were in Fraggle Rock, which was this magical place. Uh-huh. But then, like his uncle or his gr- his grandfather or uncle or whatever was exploring the real world uh-huh. <laughs> and like sending back postcards to him. Man, I gotta watch it. Oh, it's You're great. Oh, it's great. It. And so it was just so magical, and that idea of adventure and getting out and discovering the world was definitely influenced. And there's a part of me that like, I want to go explore the world. Yeah. Like I really, I would be I cool. wish I had a lot of extra resources to go and just go to places. I love going yeah. to places. I love going anywhere. Any small town across the US. I would love to just drive to just random places, not even yeah. places like famous. Like I would like to just, yeah, it's crazy to just go drive. big the United States I just want to go and so just see all the little places. See. I just love finding little places. Yeah. We little just got to wait. I mean, the, the show is still new so that it takes time for the billion viewers to start, you know, yeah, to trickle for it in to the pay off yeah. in such a way. Next month though. It's happening. Yeah. All right, man. Is that uh, is that the review of? Uh, I think it was John fun. Morgan and and the Sword and the Stone in his life. Uh, small fraction, right? Small fraction. There's, yeah, there's of the much. legend that is. Yes, Jr. <laughs> Jr. <laughs> yes, yeah, an enduring term. Questions? Uh, any? You know, submit them. We we love to answer them. Like and us. That, that'd be mental health questions. Or just questions about us. If you have more questions about us, we're happy yeah, to answer dude. them. Yeah, Q and A will be a great point to yeah. uh, <coughs> to bring up uh, any type of questions and fun questions too. So if you want to bring up mental health questions, Please or you just do. want to bring up some fun questions, because we have all the answers as we've established. Yes, you should know that. Unless this is your first first, if this is your first listen, you might not be aware of that. You should you should know we will answer the question oh, we'll yeah. correct correctly. Oh, it will be the answer correctly. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I'm mm-hmm. with you. All right, thank you, everyone. All right, peace out. Adios. Bye.